What a good God. What a good God we serve. Come on, one more time. Put those hands together. Give him a real big praise. Amen. Well, good morning, Hopewell. Amen. I am so happy to see all of your faces today in the house of worship this morning as we come together to worship the one true living God. I don't know about anybody else, but God has been good to me. Amen. How about you? Has God been good to you? Hallelujah. Come on. I said, has God been good to you? Oh, my God. He has been extremely well. Listen, if we have any first-time guests that's worshiping with us for the first time, just wave at me this morning. Any first-time guests, if this is your first time, come on, hope, well, help me praise God for all of our first-time guests. Amen. We got two over here, three over here. We got two over here. Amen. Come on, hope, well, help me praise God for all of our first-time guests. They could be anywhere else. But we are so glad that they are here with us at the well today. Our ushers are giving you a connections card. If you can just fill that out in its entirety and place it in the offering basket during offertory time. This is our point of contact just to be able to thank you for coming to worship with us today. Because you could be anywhere else. But we're so glad that you are here with us today. We're so glad that you're here with us this morning. Those that are watching online, Hope at Home on YouTube or Facebook. We thank God for you, those in person. Help me praise God for all, all of our online viewers. Amen. Thank you. You could be watching multiple churches right now, but we're so glad that you have tuned in to the Hope World Experience. I'm glad to have with us this morning um, Deacon Brian's mother-in-law, the one of the mother of Carbondale, Mother Julia Rowe. God bless you, Mother Rowe. Amen. Amen. She said, ugly sweater. Now, this Sunday morning, I'm wearing my good suit in my hat. Amen. We thank God for her being with us on this morning. Listen, we have a special treat. Our dance ministry, our young ladies, Genesis is getting ready to come and bless us this morning. Amen. And as they're making their way to come, can you all help me praise God for the music ministry of Minister Leon Richardson? Oh, God. We are so glad that he, he that he's here with us on this morning. Um, and, and, and listen, once they go, once they're gonna come and minister, and once they're done, Minister Rich, Richardson, if you could just give us a snippet of the hymn "Great Is Thou Faithfulness," I, I I will love you forever. If you can just give me a little snippet of that, I will love you. I'm gonna love you anyway because you're my brother in Christ. But I give a little extra sprinkle of love if you can do that for us this morning. Come on, you all, help me praise God for Genesis as they come and bless us. Come on, you all, let's make our young ladies feel glad this morning as they come and minister to us today.
Hallelujah. How many believe that it can happen right now? I said, how many believe that it can happen right now? Hallelujah. Any day now, it can happen right now because we serve a faithful God. He's faithful. Y'all pray for me. Great is thy faithfulness. Oh God, my Father, there is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not, thy compassions they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever will be. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand has provided. Cause great is thy faithfulness, O Lord, unto me. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see, and all I have needed, thy hand has provided. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness, great is thy Oh Lord, unto me. He's a great God and he's faithful. Yes, he is. Stand with me and grab your Bibles, your tablets, your phones, whatever you get, and journey with me to the book of Ruth, chapter 4. Verses 13 through 15. Ruth chapter 4. Verses 13 through 15. If you're able to stand, stand with me as we stand for the reading and the reverence of God's holy word. Ruth chapter 4. Listen, you don't have to pray for the Holy Spirit to bring it back to your remembrance. Go to your table of contents and look up where Ruth is. Amen. I hear you're struggling. Just go. Just go. Ruth chapter 4. To all of our elders and ministers, our deacons, our mothers, to all of God's people, it is good to be in the house of the Lord together. Ruth chapter 4, verses 13 through 15, and I'll be reading from the New Living Translation of the Bible. And it reads as this, so Boaz took Ruth into his home and when she became his wife, when he slept with her, the Lord enabled her to become pregnant and she gave birth to a son. Then the women of the town said to Naomi, praise the Lord who has now provided a redeemer for your family. 
May this child be famous in Israel. May he restore your youth and care for you in your old age. For he is the son of your daughter-in-law who loves you and has been better to you than seven sons. I want you to turn to your neighbor and share these three words of encouragement. Say, neighbor, I got good news for you this morning. Joy will come. Turn to your other neighbor and say, neighbor, I ain't forgot about you. So I got good news for you as well. Joy will come. Now you've been selfless with everybody else. Put your hands to yourself and say, self, I got even better news for you. Joy will come. Father, we thank you for your word once again. God, I pray that we've already made up in our minds that whatever your word is calling for us to do, that we will kindly and, and, and delightfully take delight in obeying and doing what you said to do. God, bless us now as we come to your word. Lord, God, hungry to, hungry to receive food for our lives that we may grow, that we may grow and become more like you, Father. And it's in the strong name of Jesus we pray and all of God's people said, Amen. As you're taking your seat, if you haven't spoke to your neighbor the past 47 minutes, say something to him. Give him a fist bump, high five. Tell him how ugly their sweater is. Amen. This is the only something you can say that next week. It may be a fight. Amen. But you can take advantage of that opportunity today. Amen. Joy will come. Past three weeks, we have been in our Advent series as we have been anticipating the arrival of our king king jesus and we've been looking at the scriptures in anticipation and we really looked at matthew chapter one with the genealogy of jesus and and looking at four women that are included in the ancestry of jesus and looking at their lives it's almost as if they're having testimony service and they're sharing what their lives were and we're seeing details of their lives and how God was able to come into their lives and not only make a transformational difference in their lives, but they get included in the genealogy of Jesus. That I love it, I love it, I love it with the life of Rahab that we saw when we are introduced to her in Joshua. It makes it known who Rahab is. It makes you know what her occupation is, that she is a harlot. But when you look at Matthew chapter 1, it does not talk about who she used to be. It does not talk about her being a prostitute, but it makes it known that she was a woman of great faith. We see how God was able to redefine Rahab's life when she put her life in the hands of Jesus. That's good news for us to know, saints of God, that God could do the same thing that he's done in Rahab's life. But if we are willing to be able to relinquish our life and release our life and give it over to God and place our lives all that we are, all that we are not, all that we have become, all that we have not become, and place it into the hands of God. God has the same power to redefine our lives. Our past does not have to be our future. Who we used to be does not have to be the end of our story. But when we place our lives in the hands of the potter, when we place our lives in the hands of God, God has the power to rewrite our story. I'm looking at some people this morning that God has rewrote your story. I don't know your full, I don't know your full testimony. We all don't know your full testimony. All we know is things you used to do. You don't do anymore places you used to go. You don't there has been a change in your life and that change happened. When you allow the master to get involved in the nastiness of your life to bring about a change in your life.
Tamar, a woman who does what she has to do to survive. She makes up a plan. You all know the story. You were here a few weeks ago. She makes a plan to go and to be with her father-in-law so that she can be able to have a son. She has been dealt a bad hand in life. Her husbands are gone. She has no one. Her brother-in-law was supposed to make sure the legacy of his brother will continue, but he did not fall suit and do that. So here it is, this woman having to defend for herself and she has a plan of action to turn things around for her for the rest of her life. She makes plans to go and be with her father-in-law and I like it that even though she lies, even though she schemes, she did what she had to do to be able to survive and because of the transforming power of God, she's included in the lineage of Jesus. When's the last time you checked out your genealogy? Because truth of the matter is, we will come to realize, Sister Stacey, that we have a lot more in common with Jesus than we think. If we take the time and to look at our own genealogy, our own ancestry, we will begin to see that we have some jacked up folks in our bloodline that we are connected to, things that we find out about people that we had no idea. We are in co good company this morning because though Jesus came to be able to deliver us from all of our sins and to die for our sins, when we look at his genealogy, we see some folks that should not have been there. Tamar should not have been on there. Rahab should not have been there. And Ruth should not have been there. The story of Ruth such a beautiful story and I'll tell you I'll be honest with you I struggle with getting this together but that's because there's so much preacher material there and we would be here for so long and we don't want that to happen because you, then you all put a church finger if I go past 11 o'clock hey man we're going to go past 11 o'clock this morning if I go past 1130 you're going to put up the church finger and go ahead and make your way out there. there's so much preaching potential here in the book of Ruth that oh my gosh please will you have the time look at this study it because it would indeed bless your life this story is not just a love story between Ruth and Boaz. The story of Ruth is more than just Ruth getting her, getting her groove back. It's more than her finding a boo. It's more than just that. We are able to see in the story of Ruth, in the life of Ruth, we're able to see the redemptive work of Christ in her life. Starts off here in chapter one. Ruth was a Moabite. She gets married. Mary's one of Elimelech's sons, and all of a sudden, life changes for her all of a sudden. Now, this was during the time, the book of Judges is right before this. Got to give you context to be able to understand everything that's going on. It was during the time of Judges where there was no king, there was no leadership, and everybody did what was right in their own eyes. There was no one to govern the people. There was no one to lead the people. There was no one to direct the people. So whatever they felt like doing is what they did. Whatever they felt was right in their own eyes, whatever was right by their definition is what they began to do. So we get there. We get to Ruth. She's a Moabite woman. 
She marries Elimelech's sons, and they're trying to make way because they're there in Bethlehem, which means the house of bread. But all of a sudden, a famine hits the town. And so that any, like any good father will want to do, any good husband will want to do, he wants to be able to take his family to a place where they can be able to thrive and survive. And so they make their way to a new place. They make their way to a new place. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, Ruth's son, Ruth's husband, dies. He dies and so his, her father-in-law dies and then her brother-in-law dies and here it is. You have three women who have no one to protect them, no one to provide for them, no one to fend for them. You have to understand the culture and society at this time. It was very vital for a woman to have a husband. It was very important for not only for her to have a husband, but to have a son as a seed. So if something happened to her husband, there would be someone that could be able to care for her women had no rights. They had no rights. They had to go and do whatever it is the male in their lives, whatever it is their husbands or their fathers had for them to do. And so here it is. You have Oprah. You have Ruth. And now you have Naomi who are all widows trying to figure out how in the world are we going to make it? How in the world are we going to survive? Life has now just changed for them drastically all of a sudden. Have you ever had life do that to you before? That all is well, everything is cool, everything is straight. And then all of a sudden, just like that with the step of a finger, life changes without your permission, without a heads up. You would have been better if you had known that life was going to change so that you could be able to be prepared for it. But it caught you off guard. It caught you off guard. And you had no idea what you were going to do. You had no idea how you were going to survive. Here's what I love about the sovereign hand of God. That even when life catches us by surprise and things jump off in our lives that we have no idea what's going to happen. We serve a sovereign God that is able to see things before we even see it. He's on cue for everything that's going to happen in our lives. It may have caught us by surprise, but it didn't catch God off surprise. And God majors at taking the good, the bad, the unfortunate. He's major at taking all of those things in our lives and working it together for our good. I can only imagine Ruth, Naomi, and Oprah because they're trying to grieve, but then they're broke. It's one thing to grieve, but it's another thing when you're having to grieve and grieve with no money at the same time. Land is gone. Property is gone. There are women by themselves, all alone. No sons to take care of them. No future provision. What are they supposed to do? You know the story Naomi makes up in her mind. She says, okay, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going back home because I, I ain't got nothing else. She tells her daughter-in-laws, listen, y'all still young. You're still cute. Got a nice shape. Got good hair. Got a good soul in. You can find you a future boo, but I'm old. I can't. There, 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 there's no help for me. There's no hope for me in the future. They even go on to say, well, listen, we want to stay with you. We want to stay with you. We want to stay with you. And she says, absolutely not, because I, how, at my age, I can't, I can't produce a son. And would you wait long enough for my son to come of age to marry you? It makes sense. You go your way. I go my way. 
She's pretty much telling Oprah and Ruth that you have a better chance of surviving than I do. She's probably already making up in her mind that she's going to prepare her last meal and get ready to die because there's no hope for her at all. I just told you that there's a famine in Bethlehem, which means house of bread. And so she says, let's just go ahead. You go your way. I go my way. There's no hope. Go back to your mother's home. She says, and may the Lord reward you for your kindness to your husbands and to me. She goes back and let them know, just go, 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 go. And so Oprah made up her mind that she was going to go back and they kissed each other and they grieved, they cried, they mourned. And then, but there was something about Ruth. Ruth said, you know what, hey, I know it was good for Oprah to be able to go back home. But she says, hey, I'm going to stay with you. Your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. I'm going to walk with you in this thing called life. I don't know what the future may hold, but we're going to get through this thing together and so they go back they go back home they head back to Bethlehem they go back home and so Naomi gets there and people are excited they heard the news about her husband dying they heard the news about her son's dying she heard the news about one daughter-in-law going back and one coming back with her everybody got worried about it and they're excited to see her and they come in Naomi we're glad to see you she said don't call me Naomi she said, call, call me Mara, which means bitter. She says, because God has raised his fist against me. I love this. I love this so much because in this story, we see that someone who is not too far away from their humanity and their emotions, she's not trying to be churchy and say, oh my goodness, I don't know how it's going to happen, but I know God's going to make a way. She allows herself, even though God will make a way, even though she probably has faith later on down the road, that God can turn some things around. But what she fails not to do is to embrace the current season that she in and to sit in it for a little bit and allow herself to grief. Can I tell you something, saints of God? There is no need for you to church up grief. There is no need for you to church up when your heart has been broken, when life seems to be unfair. The worst thing that you can do is try to push your way through and not grieve a loss because grief does not just happen in death. Grief happens when there's a sudden loss in your life, a loss of a job, a loss of an opportunity, a loss of a relationship, and we owe it to ourselves. To sit in that grief, no matter how uncomfortable it is, just for a little bit. The saints are ready to see her when she gets home, and they're calling her name. She said, oh, shut up. Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. Because I'm bitter. But God has left me in the state that I'm in right now with no provision, with no future, with uncertainty, with questions that I don't even know if I will have the answers to. She says the almighty God has raised his fist against me. Have you ever had a conversation with God like that? I know y'all all saved in here. Let me try to say it. Have you ever had a conversation with God like that where you just said, God, you know what? I love you. You are good. You are kind. But you know what, God? I got some questions for you right now because I don't understand why you have allowed for me to be able to get to where I am right now. I've done everything the best of my ability to do it right. I done walked up right before you. I done lived for you, right, God? I done served. I done treated people right who have done me wrong, God. I've done all of those things, but now you allow this hand to be dealt to me? Why? Why has life come to this point for me? 
Why do I have to return back home? Now everybody saw when I left and I come back. I left with my husband. I left with my sons. But I come back lonely and broke. With no hope for the future. Why? Can I tell you something? God is not intimidated by our whys. God is not intimidated by our questions. He is God enough and divine enough to be able to handle our questions. I'm glad that I serve a God that is not, that is not torn down by my questions because I have questions because I say why. Does not mean that I don't love God. Does not mean I don't have faith. Does not mean I don't trust God. It simply means I'm human and I'm broken and I'm scared and I'm uncertain about what God is going to do in my life. That's where she's at. That's where she is. That's what she's at in life. And I love it because in some sense it's almost like she has to pull herself together because she has this daughter-in-law named Ruth who is a Moabite who does not serve the same God that she serves. But Ruth makes a confession of faith at a pivotal moment in their lives where she could have went on and built for herself. But she said, you know what, I'm going to stay right here with Naomi. I don't know what the future's going to hold. I don't know if I'm going to get snatched up. I don't know if I'm going to get somebody. I don't know if I'm going to have a son. I don't know if I'm going to have a husband. But there is something that is causing me to stay right here with Naomi and that we're going to walk through this thing together. I don't know what the future is going to hold. I don't know if we're going to have provision. I don't know what we're going to eat tomorrow. But there's something on the inside that's saying to stay right where I am to stay right in position, to stay right here and to walk with Naomi. Can I tell you something, saints of God? Sometimes every now and then we will come to a place in our lives where we're going to need somebody to walk with us through life's ups and downs. I wish I had some help this morning. We're going to need someone that's going to stick by us. We're going to need someone that's going to stay right there. We're going to need someone that is going to make up in their minds and make the decision, even though they could go right and make a better life for themselves, that they will be unselfish and stay right there with us in the midst of trouble. Do you see what Ruth does? The faith move that she makes. There is no guarantee that life is going to get better. There is no guarantee that they will have food to eat tonight. No guarantee they will have food to eat tomorrow. But she says, your God will be my God. Your people will be your people. Wherever you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. She says, may the Lord punish me for severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. Go back to Bethlehem. And I like the way verse chapter 1 ends. They arrived in Bethlehem in late spring at the beginning of the barley harvest. And so they get there and life begins to change for them all of a sudden. Here, here, here's something worth writing down right here. Joy takes time. Joy takes time. I wish, I wish I had something else to be able to tell you, but, but joy, joy, everybody say joy takes time. Joy takes time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Joy takes time. I know right now in chapter one, we see it's devastation. We see, oh my gosh, how are they going to survive? But it's just like life in real life right now. The joy takes time. It may not be an immediate thing that we experience or we have, but if we keep on trusting God, if we keep on depending upon God, if we keep on leaning on God, if we continue to say, Lord, help me to be able to see what you see. Help me to be able to hear what you hear. Help me to stay on track with you. Help me 
to stay in line with you. And as we stay on line with God, as we stay trusting God and believing God, joy will eventually come. But here it is, saints of God, you and I cannot get discouraged when joy does not show up right away. It's going to take time, 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 it's going to take time. And so here it is in chapter 2, it begins to jump off that she goes out into the field. She realized, hey, we need to have some food to be able to eat. And she makes her way down to the field and she's picking up stalks of grain and, and, and she's picking up because it was told for them in, in that time in Levit Leviticus chapter 25, it lays out that in that time of barley harvest, when you were harvesting your grain, that you were to leave some behind on the edges. You you didn't take everything that you had. You would leave some behind for those that were widows. You would leave some behind for those that were disadvantaged. And so Ruth jumps in on the scene and she's there gathering as much as she can. She gets all that she has. She goes back home and she's able to give she's able to give Naomi something to eat. But while she's out there, while she's out there in the field, she catches the attention of a man by the name of Boaz. Boaz begins to inquire about the young lady that's out there. He says, he says, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. He said, Brother Deacon, who, who is that young lady out there in the field? I, I, I've never seen her before. She's different. She's, she's not the same women that have been out there. She's been working. And so the foreman says, well, she's, well, Brother Boaz, she's been out here. and She's been working uh, all day long. She's been sweating. She's been working. She's been getting all that she needed for her and for her mother-in-law. And he begins to do the rundown and tell her, that's, that's, that's Ruth. That's Naomi's daughter-in-law. You know, they came back. They had left. And now they're back, in Eph, uh, they're back in Bethlehem now. You know, her husband died. Her sons have died. Oprah has left. Now it's just Naomi and Ruth that are together he inquired about her he acquired about her and he tells her look at what he says in verse 8 chapter 2 he says Boaz went over to her and said listen my daughter stay right here with us when you gather grain don't go to any other field stay right behind the young women working in the field see which part of the field that they're harvesting and then follow them I have warned the young man not to retreat not to treat you roughly and when you are thirsty help yourself to the water they have drawn from the well Ruth fell at the feet and thanked him warmly what have I done to deserve such kindness she asked him I am only a foreigner yes I know Boaz said but I also know about everything you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband I have heard how you left your father and your mother and your own land to live here amongst complete strangers may the Lord the God of Israel under whose wings you have taken uh, the, under whose wing you have come to take refuge reward you fully for what you have done I love this I love this I love this because this teaches us such a great lesson right here and I got to make sure I don't shout and dance when I say this that when you follow God and you get in position and be where God wants you to be, God will have already gone before you and made provisions for you before you even get there. Oh my gosh, I wish I had some help in the house. I'm going to say it one more time because it sounded real good. But when you follow God and obey God and do exactly what God says, when God says, how God says it, he will have already gone before you and made provisions for you so that once you get there, everything you need will already be there. Who would have thought that if Ruth had left Naomi and went her own way but there was something on the inside that said stay right here, stay right here don't you go back home, stay right here you're a big girl now, stay right here, stay right here God's gonna do something in your life 
is there was something about her that I need and she says I'm not leaving this woman because the next thing that God will do in my life is going to be connected to this woman and she stays right there and because of her obedience and her faithfulness God goes before her and he makes ways before her before she even gets there so when she gets there she will have everything she needs I wish I had some help in here this morning but if you trust God if you lean on God if you depend upon God obey God and follow God God will blow your mind if you release your life and relinquish the rights to your life and turn your life over to God God will give you a better life. There it is. He says, hey, you come. You ain't got to go to another field. You stay right here. You follow behind the other girls. I done already told the little jokers, leave you alone. Don't ask for her number. Don't ask what her name is on TikTok. Let her alone. says don't slide in the DMs don't sit beside her at church let her alone he says everything that you need you will be able to get it and she's overwhelmed by the gratitude that, that he bestows upon her and she asks why and I love it because it traces back to faithfulness he says, we done heard everything you did for your mother-in-law. You could have left. You could have abandoned her. And even if you had left, it really would not have been abandonment because she told you to go. But you stayed. And because you stayed, showed faithfulness. And the God that we serve is a God that is reminded and remembers our faithfulness. When others have not remembered, God remembers our faithfulness. And God is a rewarder to those that are Faithful. Here it is. Let me keep on going. I'm, keep, I'm trying to move as quick as I can. It takes time. Somebody said, Joy, it takes time. It takes time. But do you see, do you see cards and weeds within the story? How God has a way of just popping up and giving us the encouragement that we need to be able to keep moving? It's just like God that he knows the journey that it is ahead. He knows how to have some pit stops of encouragement to give us along the way, to keep us encouraged as we're on the journey with God. She's there. She's there. Boaz recognizes her. She goes back home and she's, she's filled with excitement that she begins to tell. She begins to tell Naomi about what has happened and Naomi makes an makes a announcement to her to let her know, hey, Boaz is a distant relative. He's a kinsman redeemer. He's a, he's a part of our family. He's a part of our genealogy. He's a part of our bloodline. He's a part of our family. She says, here, here's what I want you to do. <laughs> I want you to go. Clean yourself up. Put on some smell goods. Put on your long coat. And then I want you to make your way on over to Boaz. And when he sleeps, I want you to keep an eye on him. I know he's out there in the field working. So once he goes to sleep, I want you to go and hide yourself at the feet of Boaz. Here it is. So immediately when we hear that she went to go put on some perfume, we immediately think that she did that for Boaz. Right? But once you, do your, once you read your Bible and do your history, the reason why she puts on perfume, because that was no deodorant that she can grab from Walmart. 
the closest thing they had was perfume that you put on, not for attraction, but so that you can be able to smell good wine. She's been out in the field working. She has her coat. Her coat that she has on, and for her to go and lay at the feet of Boaz, is not to suggest that they had sex. It was suggest that she's putting herself in position to ask Boaz to marry her. Which was a bold move on her end as a woman because you're moving ahead of yourself. There is no way you should be asking him for his hand in marriage. But what Ruth is doing is she's preparing herself and getting herself ready for the future that she is believing is going to happen in her life. She's doing all of these things because she's trying to secure the future that she needs for her and for her mother-in-law. I'm so glad looking at this story that Ruth is not just concerned about herself, but she's also concerned about somebody else. And Here's the blessing right there. When we are not just concerned about the welfare of our lives, but we're concerned about the welfare of other people's lives, God will bless us because our intentions and our motives are not selfish about ourselves, but it includes somebody else. There it is. She got on her long coat. She goes and she lays at the feet of Boaz. She's been watching him from behind the scene trying to figure out what's going on, what's happening. And then all of a sudden he goes to sleep. The Bible says that he goes, he has a good time, he has something to drink he's not drunk he just had enough amen to get you know to get him straight for the night amen and then he goes to sleep and then he wakes up startled because he looks down at his feet and there's a stranger there and she talks to him she lets him know what it is that she needs it's a total faith move that she makes because he has every right to tell this woman get out of my house and not just get out of my house, but run her name through the whole town. You know, Ruth had the old day. I was asleep from a long day's work. I wake up, guess who was at the foot of my bed? That, 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 that loose woman from the field was out there trying, she, she trying to get, she, try, trying to trap me and get me, trying to get, trying to get me in trouble. She had more to lose than to gain. But here it is. Once again, God went before her and prepared the heart of Boaz that when she was there, he was able to receive her with care. He was able to receive her, with, to be able to nurture her and to be able to fulfill the needs that she had for her life. He goes and say, hey, okay, I get what you need. Here it is. I need you to get out of here, but stay tonight. I need you to get out of here. No one needs to see you leaving my house at this time of night. As soon as this day, go ahead and make your way out. I would never tell anybody what has happened. I know who you are. I know you are a limited exhorter in law. I know your whole condition. I know your whole entire story. He says, there is another kinsman redeemer that is closer than I. I will go to the city and meet with them and talk with them and see if they want to be able to purchase and do this whole, this whole transaction. If not, I will do just what needs to be done. Do you see the hand of God going before her to make provisions for her? Because, hey, listen, here's the definition of a kinsman redeemer. A kinsman redeemer is a relative who restores or preserves the full rights of disadvantage family members. Boaz here in Ruth is a foreshadow of Christ. Boaz has the ability to be able to 
buy back everything that they have lost. Land, property, houses. He's able to get back everything all because he's the kinsman redeemer. She knows that. Naomi gave her the history of it. And so she makes this request to Boaz. Boaz goes down and he makes the whole entire scenario. He meets with the people and he tells them they go through the whole transaction. And then he goes and he does his part. Once again, we see how God brings about some joy in the midst of her situation. But here it is, saints of God, I'm almost done. I got to get out of here. We have to be careful not to mistake happiness for joy. Got to make sure, Brother Hunt, that we don't settle for happiness when we can be able to have joy. Here it is. Happiness is if the happenings around me are okay, then all this well, all this right within me. Happiness is if my bank account is looking good, then I'm good. If my relationships are good, then I'm good. If the, if, if, if the wind blows through my hair the right way and it flows the right way, then all is well. But the thing about happiness is that it's always predicated off of something. And when something is not going right or going, or going the way that we thought it should go, then we'll be down and depressed. But joy, here it is, here saints, here's joy, joy. All is right within me, regardless of what's happening around me. Joy is the mindset that I have in my life that no matter what I have in my account, no matter how life may be right now, that I'm going to have joy no matter what. And we see this in the life of Ruth right here. She is able to have a glimpse of joy. She's able to have a glimpse of hope in everything that is happening in her life. She's seeing the hand of God work on her behalf. Ruth goes through the process. Boaz makes her his wife. And they have a child. They have a son. Hobear that will go down and be a part of the lineage of Jesus that will lead to the birth of Christ. But here it is, saints. Not only does Ruth secure the future for herself, but she secures the future of Naomi. Our obedience and our faithfulness to God are essential to sustaining our joy. Our obedience and faithfulness to God are essential to sustaining the joy that we desire to have in our lives. Joy that no matter what's happening around us, that we're still all right on the inside. Joy that no matter what life throws at us, that we will still have joy. Word gets round what has happened. And Ruth, Naomi, is able to testify. And the women of the town, verse 14 says, the women of the town said to Naomi, 
Praise the Lord who has now provided a redeemer for your family. May this child be famous in Israel. May he restore your youth and care for you in your own age. For he is a son of your daughter-in-law who loves you and has been better to you than seven sons. What if Naomi has said, forget it. I'm going to stay right here. I'm not going to go back. I'm too embarrassed. Everybody know my business. They know everything that has happened in my life. What if she had just stayed where she was? What if, what if Ruth had left? Joy wasn't immediate. It took some time. But in the end, God worked everything together for the good. How they started is not how they finished. The chapter one of their life and how it all started. Started with death, but it ended with life. Only God has the power to not just rewrite, but to rearrange our stories. He's the executive producer of our lives, and he knows how to make cameo appearances. He knows when to step in. He knows when to step out. He knows who the cast needs to be. He knows when to let people show up at the right time. He knows. And master's going before us and make provision for us for when we show up. Boaz, who was a kinsman redeemer for Ruth, is a foreshadow for the kinsman redeemer that we needed in Jesus. One that had the power to be able to purchase us back. To give us hope, to give us peace, to give us joy. It may not come right when you want it, but joy will come. It may not happen where you thought it should happen, but joy will come. I can only imagine, got to use my sanctified imagination, Reverend Williams, that when Naomi is there in, chapter, in verse 16 holding the baby, I'm sure she was overwhelmed with tears and joy and praise and thankfulness to God. Probably thinking to, think, probably thinking to herself, never thought I'll be where I am right now. I know she had to look around, uh, Elder James, and think to herself, I never thought I would be experiencing this. And she had to think to herself and say, listen, how this whole thing started off is so different than how it ended. Because here it is, thanks of God, thank you, Holy Spirit. Our concern should not be with how it starts and how it finishes. Our concern should be how we trust God in the middle of it to get to the end. He knows the beginning. He knows the end. Our job is to trust him with the middle and to be faithful and obey and to walk with God. Right there in the middle. In the middle is where you need the joy. 
When you're experiencing loss, that's when you need joy. When you have uncertainty, that's when you need joy. Knows the end from the beginning. We got to trust him with this part. And be willing to walk with God, to journey with God. To see how everything is going to unfold. Maybe somebody saying, hey, Reverend, the way this year started and the hopes that I had on this 18th day of December, this 12th month, I'm not seeing it. And be honest, worst thing you can do is lie to yourself. Pastor, this ain't what I thought this year would be for me. Big hope, big plans, great expectations. You prayed big, you prayed bold, but this ain't what I thought. This ain't what I thought at all. Can I tell you something? God's not done yet. And listen, when I say that, I'm not suggesting even though he can, I'm not suggesting that what you will believe in God for, what you need the God to do, what you prayed for, what you uh, 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 met with God about, that he can be able to do all those things before January the 1st. He certainly can, but here's what I do know. If he does not change my situation, he can change my perspective. He can change how I see it. He can change how I feel about it. He can change how I look at it. So sometimes what we may desire God to do may not be what God wants to do. Maybe what God wants to do is change us before he changes our environment. Could it be this journey that Ruth and Naomi were on was more than her just getting a man, but it was a test of her obedience. Will you obey me when it sounds strange? Will you, will you trust me when it's uncertain? Can you trust me when you don't know how the story of your life will end? Will you be faithful? Then you ain't got much. Will you look after others and not just focus on yourself? Ruth was out there working. She was the one in the field working. She didn't have to come back and share with Naomi. She could have took the barley, she took everything that she had, called an Uber and went home. But she came back. She came back. Can you see the sovereign hand of God working in your life? And how he majors at going before you, going before us. Once we get there, 
Everything we need, say sin is there. Can we see how God, our Heavenly Father, went before us and said, hey, hey, I, I, I need something. I need something. Because the blood of bulls and goats is, I'm tired of it. I, I need something that can be able to redeem these people once and for all. Volunteers his son to take on the sins. He who knew no sin became sin. I know it's not first Sunday, but it's still good. He who knew no sin became sin that we may become the righteousness of God. While we were yet sinners, he died. He knew. Went before us and said, hey, I'm going to send a sinless sacrifice. And his name was going to be Jesus. To take on the sins of those who love him, some may, who may never confess to love him. But I'm going to seal the deal once and for all. Do you see the sovereign hand of God going before us? And that's a good word for somebody right there because you're worried, you're, you're, you're anxious about the future because you don't know because the certainty that you had was almost like a carpet being pulled from underneath your feet. God has a way of going before you and making every crooked place straight. So that once you arrive, everything you need can be shot on provision of God, but can we shout on obeying and being faithful in tight places? I want to pray this morning. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I want to pray this morning. I'm going to make you come to the altar. If you stay right where you are, that's fine. I want to pray this morning for those that are, they're concerned about provision. They're worried about provision. I'm not just talking about making sure your kids have, have, have toys and stuff for Christmas. I'm talking about you're concerned about provision, provision. Roof over your head. Your car note being paid. Rent being paid. Mortgage being paid. God knows where you are. God knows who you are. I want to pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus. I thank you, oh God, that you are so mindful of us, that you know where to position us, you know where to put us, oh God, in the right places, at the right times, oh God, so that you can be able to minister to us. You are omnipresent, God. You're everywhere at the same time, and you know everything. You're all-knowing. Nothing catches you by surprise. God, we lay worry at your feet right now. We lay anxiety down at your feet right now. We shall have the testimony as David said. I once was young, but now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken. No, his seed begging for bread. I pray, Father God, that you will regulate minds, oh God, that you will regulate hearts. God, I pray now in the name of Jesus that they will submit to you their worry, that they will surrender to you their anxiety, Father God, that they will lay it at your feet, oh God, and that they will have a peace that surpasses all human understanding. In knowing that you are a God that provides. that you are a God that takes care of their children. 
I pray, oh God, that they will trust you. I pray, oh God, that they will look to you. I pray, God, that you will move naturally and supernaturally in their lives, God. I pray, oh God, just like Boaz reminded Ruth of why he was doing what he was doing, that they will be reminded of your, uh, 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 that, 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 that you will remind them of their faithfulness to you, Father. I pray, I pray, God, that people will walk up to him and be a blessing financially to him. I pray for checks in the mail, Father God. I, I, I pray for supernatural blessings, oh God, just to overtake them. You can trust them enough in knowing that they will give the glory and the credit back to you and knowing that it was you. And for us that's on the other end of it, God, I pray that we'll be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. That when you tell us to sow, that we sow. When you tell us to give, that we'll give. When you tell us to do, that we'll do. When you give us the amount, that we'll do it. And not cringe. But your word says you give seed to the sower. And that we'll do it. For it will be a reminder to them, God, that you have not forsaken them. We thank you, Father. It's in the strong name of Jesus we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. Clap those hands real good in the sanctuary.